jig sink all the way to the floor. And as soon as it hit the bottom, I started retrieving that thing just loaded up. And I, I looked at it and I go, the good one. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Western Outdoor News Podcast. This week, we talk with SoCal surf fishing guide Nick Hyde about sight fishing in the surf. And not just Corbina, I'm talking spot fin Corbina and guitar fish, literally beaching themselves going for these sand crabs. We then get the opportunity to talk with Matt Herrera, who just got back from Gold Lake and caught a big brown on a hand-tied ghoulie jig. Those hand-tied jigs in general just tend to catch bigger fish on average. But first, let's talk with Western Outdoor News surf fishing columnist Nick Hyde about sight fishing in the surf. Well, I know you just got off the water this morning with a client. Why don't you just kind of go over your day of fishing? Yeah, so it was, it was pretty solid. We, we headed down to the Del Mar area, and um, it was his first time in the San Diego surf scene. So he, he had been up in, actually, your area, San Clemente, Dana Point, all those, those spots. Um, and he was just looking into it. He, he got rid of his boat. So he was like, Hey, I'm going to be doing a lot more surf fishing now. And I was like, all right, let's, let's get into it. And, um, first couple casts we get in and he's got a yellowfin croaker on just like that. And it was slow, slow morning, but we, we ended up finding a good, good hole a little further South. And for the next two hours, we, between yellowfin croaker, barred surf perch, um, and a couple corbina and one little actually one pretty big stingray i know stingrays aren't too exciting but it was one of the bigger ones <laughs> we've seen yeah well so for for bait are, are you guys uh you know catching sand crabs are, are you fishing a little bit artificials yeah so what are you guys doing? so for the most part um obviously we're transitioning from from the winter fall bite to to the spring summer bite mm-hmm. so kind of once you hit november and you you get into winter my go-to is muscle meat Okay. And I'm just buying that at Asian markets. Um, okay. And obviously just it frozen usually. Yeah. Buy it frozen. It actually, it's actually pre-cooked too. Weird, okay. but it works. Yeah. Um, and lucky craft, I'll, I'll throw some of that in there. I figure during the winter time when obviously you're not catching as much in general, you might as well put in the time to catch the bigger fish like halibut and stuff like that. Um, but right now we, we've transitioned to full-time summertime, uh, full summertime bite. We've got sand crabs, galore up and down our beaches right now so that's the number one bait so we, we'll get down to the beach i've got my little colander and we just we look for the little beds look for the v's however you want to you want to call them um and we gather our bait i i'm when i'm getting my sand crabs i know a lot of guys and you might be the same i don't know but a lot of guys like to just grab the biggest one they can and throw it on a hook um i've actually kind of weeded out what I like the best. And I, I tend to like almost my pinky or index fingernail and smaller. Okay. So um, pretty small sand crab, pretty so small sand crabs. And you're and, fishing a small hook then. Yeah. Either a size four, sometimes a size two. Uh, okay. when it starts, when I know there's going to be a good amount of spot fin or big Corbina, I'll, uh, I'll swap out the two just cause I'm confident enough. Like, all right, we'll, we'll get a good one here and I don't want to gut the thing. Cause I'm, I'm for the most part catching release. I'll, I'll keep one here and there, but for the most yeah. part, we're just catching for the Yeah, definitely. It's always, it's always fun to catch and release, especially those Corbina that fight so hard. I mean, I mean, a lot of people don't realize that they're, they're so fun to catch in the surf. 
Oh yeah, and you know, and, and I think cool. I think one of the more uh, common, I guess, misconceptions or or just unknown to to a lot of people is I think spotfin croaker actually fight better. Oh yeah, and they get big. <laughs> oh my you know, gosh, we've seen, we've seen some giants um, <laughs> up this way, and then obviously in the bays and and the harbors you see them, but but I mean I couldn't imagine tying into a good one in the surf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they definitely I, i've so i personally have never got one over 23 but i know they get bigger and especially i've seen some pictures in mexico of some giants yeah i don't know 28 <laughs> or something like that well let's kind of talk about your rigs um you know big carolina rig guy um, yeah fishing the definitely. sand crab a lot yeah it's it there, there's definitely i mean personal preference is huge when it comes to all things fishing and you can't go wrong if you're catching fish but Carolina rig it's I guess it's what I learned and it's there's no reason for me to to switch from it yes simple streamline and I actually just wrote an article on this one and it's you can't I don't know of of any other rig that has better sensitivity with a weight involved in it yeah yeah I mean you've got that if you're keeping proper tension you should have near perfect near perfect field yeah. Well, well, when you're you're getting these sand crabs, you know, you're saying you're looking for the the size of your pinky nail or your, your index finger nail. Um, are you looking for the soft ones? Are you looking for the females or just the size? Really, is what you're looking at. Uh, well, so if I get a soft one, I don't care the size. I'm putting it on the hook. Yep. <laughs> uh, and like I've said, I've, I've now granted it's not exact uh, science, but if 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 for some reason and you're you're going through your day and you're getting hit three times out of ten on a on a normal hard shell sand crabs, I'd say you're getting hit seven times out of 10 on a, on a soft shell. Mm-hmm. And I, I could care less whether it's pinky nail or bigger than my thumbnail. I'm putting that on the hook. <laughs> yeah. If it's a soft one, it's going on the hook. <laughs> yeah. So I'll go, I'll go for, for texture first. If it's soft, it's on there and then sizes next. Mm-hmm. And, and Carolina rigs are jam. And I was reading on your website. Now, a lot of guys are, are light line advocates fishing the surf. But you kind of have a little bit different <laughs> view on that. Uh, yeah, your website. Yeah, and that's slightly controversial. I totally respect the the really light line guys. Uh, I think it's a lot of fun, and I, I've done a little bit myself. But conception is that you need to use the light line because these fish are extremely line shy, and mm-hmm. I just don't think that's the that's truth. The case. I yeah. think it's more <laughs> presentation. If obviously, if you're sight casting and you are in the line of sight of them, they're going to get spooked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. These these fish. I mean, they're up there in the surf too, and, and it's obviously hard to see for us. Yeah, being in the water, in the sand, in the water. I mean, I know they have good eyesight, but when they see that sand crab mm-hmm. flipping in the surf right in front of them, it's hard to uh, imagine that they're looking at the line. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think to a point, if you've got like, <laughs> if you've got twenty five, thirty, forty pound test on there, it's it's going to affect one the feel and to the, the presentation hugely. So that could, that could definitely get in there, but I'm using 15 pound test. And I mean, I've hooked into plenty of things that I've needed it. You know, um, I remember what, what really got me going into surf fishing. Uh, maybe my, gosh, it had to be less than 10, 10 sessions of my lifetime. in. I hooked up on a, a, I don't know the length exactly, but something like a five foot leopard on sand crabs. And it's like 30 minute fight. And, yeah i got it in partially yeah so so i I like to be prepared yeah definitely uh gear wise uh i you know i saw some suggestions on your on your website and kind of through your guide what's uh what are a few things that you know 
say a guy's just getting into this, what's his first rig kind of going to be? First setup or first rig? Uh, first setup, and then we'll go into the rig, yeah. Obviously, Carolina. Yeah, the rig, rig, I'd say just, if, especially if you're starting out, Carolina rig is going to be the, the confidence builder. Lucky Craft is going to make you never want to fish again until you <laughs> until you really get it down. Um, but but in all honesty, I mean, I know it's, it's, it's looked down upon, but I literally started surf fishing with a Shakespeare tiger. <laughs> yeah. A Walmart setup, and I caught yeah. yellowtail on a kayak with that thing. Uh, if you're not sure about it, I I'd just say go the cheap route. But mm-hmm. uh, if you're looking for a reliable reel to to get you through the next five years or whatever, I love pen. Mm-hmm. Pen battles are great. Uh, the pursuit threes, I've I've come to like them. But definitely, there's a there's a noticeable step when you hit the battle. Yeah. So so anything you know seven to to nine foot the medium medium light action. Yeah, I go with. seven, seven to nine foot, but I'd, I'd stick with medium. medium. Medium light is a little light, but if you like that, that's that's great. Uh, I guess we're fishing. For, yeah, depending on the you know, if you're going to be a light line angler, go with a little lighter. But yeah, match your gear up, and then a, a decent reel that's going to last you through at least a season sounds important because you are you are in the surf, you are in the sand, and, and that's something to, to take. Yes, uh, and Penn is, is definitely known for its saltwater uh, durability. Yeah. Well, you kind of, you, you talked about, you know, your day to day and, and did you guys get to do any of the site fishing that we got to read about in, in this week's article or in this week's paper? So no site casting today. Okay. Um, well, let's, let's just kind of get into that because that's kind of what you talked about this week. And, and that's a way that I've always fished Corvina. Um, I do look for the holes, um, but you know, there's something about seeing a fish and getting yeah. that fish to react to a bait you get in front of it. So Let's, let's talk about, you know, kind of your, I mean, I guess let's talk about the first time you realized that that was a thing <laughs> and, and how, and how you've kind of developed your technique and, and your views on it. Well, so the site casting was, was weird for me because I had always heard about it and I was like reading all these articles, prob- probably Bill Varney, I don't know, some, some articles. Um, and I'd always hear like, oh, you'll see their, you'll see their spines out of the water and, and it's just you got to keep your eye out cause they're always there. And I was not able to see them for the longest time. Um, but then I, I guess maybe I saw a couple here or there, but the thing that really got it going for me was early morning dawn and late evening dusk. I'd see, and not just Corbina, I'm talking spot fin Corbina and guitar fish literally beaching themselves going for these sand crabs <laughs> and, and not every day, but, but these random days, I don't know what it was. Maybe overcast was better. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And just light condition. huge to the point where I, I, so I've caught two guitar fish now by hand. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, just, it's crazy how shallow they go. And usually you're looking just outside of some of these holes, you know, we, we call them holes, uh, a, a deep spot. Um, how do you identify that kind of, you know, I mean, that's a structure essentially along the beach as, as a hole. Um, although it might not be a hard structure like a rock or what mm-hmm. some people might think of a structure, it's kind of that, you know, soft structure, a hole in the sand, a divot. Um, obviously there's the trough behind the swell and, and things like that. Um, so how do you identify that kind of stuff in the surf? Well, that's definitely, it, it it's something that comes with time and, and in person is better than anything, but mm-hmm. video is next best bet. And I, I did just do a recent video on that. Um, to check that out, that's probably pretty helpful. The, the, You're watching swell, right? A little bit. 
the mm-hmm. three things that I look for, number one being what I call wind ripples. Um, okay. You see little ripples on the surface of deeper areas. Okay. And you'll also see that those areas tend to be cleaner when everything else is covered in white water. And then obviously the coloration is usually darker and you could get into a whole lot of different um, technicalities as to why that's there. But bottom line is that since it's deeper, it causes misdirection, which leads to wind ripples. And since there's a lack of uh, footing for the, the swell or surf that, that leads up to the shore, when it dips down like that, it actually cleans the top of the wave. So it, it's not white water. It, it kind of falls and stays yeah, clean and there. And then it'll reform after the Exactly. Hole. Yep. Yeah. So that's how we always looked. Um, we'd always watch swell, obviously. And, um, and that's how, I mean, that's how we started, I guess, sight fishing for these things as we were surfing and, and bodyboarding and, you know, diving at the beach and, you know, you'd, you'd be out in the surf and you'd be hopping out of the water and there in ankle deep water was two or three Corvina working his own totally crabs <laughs> and, and you totally just reminded me because your question earlier mm-hmm. how did i get into the whole sight casting thing i remember going to la jolla as a kid every wednesday we'd go to the beach and we'd do some boogie boarding body surfing yep. and i had no idea what a leopard shark was what a corbino <laughs> was every time i saw a leopard shark in a wave i was like oh my gosh i gotta get back <laughs> yeah <laughs> but corbina i'd see those all the time and we would actually boogie boarding every once in a while like or your, your hand would touch them and, and you'd uh-huh. see them and we actually spent time obviously i didn't know but totally illegal to fish in la jolla and i'd be trying to <laughs> run around grabbing grabbing them <laughs> yeah, yeah but i guess that's how uh <laughs> that's how i initially got, got the, the bug mm-hmm. so we'll, we'll talk about you know kind of the presentation because that's where you know more than line size and hook size and it's really how you present these baits to yeah. these fish so you know going back to that sight fishing for these Corvina, what do you, how do you kind of lock in to your presentation for the day? Well, so, so the rig is, is I typically, I like to, to nail my rig down, keep my rig the same and just know how I fish it so I can fish it through different conditions. Mm-hmm. Some people like to switch it up. I, I totally understand if you want to go light, lighter line for sight casting, I could see it. Um, mm-hmm. And I, more than that, I could see dropping down on the, the weight. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that, that weight thump in the, the bottom with the Corbina and their barbells they're they'll feel that way. They'll feel that for they'll sure. Speak. So biggest thing for me, since I don't really like to switch up my rig, um, I try to stay as far away from them as I can. Okay. Um, although in the, I did a, a video on the side casting stuff and you can see I'm actually pretty close to that. So that might be a little contradicting, but I do tend to want to stay as far away as I can from those things. Um, and then I'll try to lead them as much as I can. Okay. So, so your, your goal is to, to drop that bait in the direction that you think they're going to swim and the direction that they will be feeding. Yeah. Um, and these fish do pattern. I, I've noticed in the surf that these fish will take the same route in and mm-hmm. out. They'll take the same route in and out. And it's, it's a lot of times maybe during the set that they can get a little higher up on the beach that you might have a better shot. That's, that's a few things that I've, you know, kind of recognized. Oh, definitely. They do, they do pattern and they, and they kind of just, you can, you can sit there and watch them and observe and, and, and figure out, you know, how you're going to lead them. Yeah. And, and another thing is that I really haven't put into practice until recently. Um, well, first I think there's two types of sight casting. I think there's the sight casting with sunlight and then 
which would be morning slash uh, afternoon. Mm-hmm. And then there's the evening sight casting. And I think the evening sight casting can be a lot of fun because that's, you're not actually looking into the water to see the fish. You're seeing them break surface and they're mm-hmm. that shallow to the point where they're feeding on the sand crabs. Like I was talking about when they're beaching themselves. Yeah. And that's crazy exciting. And that you really don't need to worry too much about them seeing you because there's such the, at least on the West coast, there's that glare. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, you can't see them in the water. They can't see you, but you can see when they break the surface. And then there's the, yeah. the middle of the day, uh, morning where you're actually looking into the water and seeing them. And that's when it's most important to get a good lead and get a good, um, distance away from them. Yeah. And, but, and, and obviously a, a good pair of polarized sunglasses. Oh, totally. Yeah. Is gonna good be, point. Is going to be a, a huge help in, in that situation and in the afternoon. Yes, definitely. Um, any memorable catches? What's your biggest Corbina to date <laughs> on, on, in the surf? <laughs> so that's another one. My first season, my first season surf fishing was seemingly for, for all the beginner's luck stuff um, was crazy. Uh, there's the leopard shark on sand crabs. There's a 28 inch Corbina that my best fishing buddy won't ever believe. Cause the only picture I have of it is half of the tail cut off and I'm kissing into somebody's garage. <laughs> But yeah, that was a, that was a day where my buddy and I went out and he caught a 25er and I caught a 28er and we were, we were like, okay, these are pretty big fish. You know, we took it home and obviously first time really catching Corby, you know, we, we cooked them up <laughs> and I then a couple days later, look at the, uh, the records for that. And it's like, Oh, Corby, 28 inches. Oh, great. <laughs> but I, I totally know there are people who have caught bigger ones like I, yeah. I just had a client reach out to me the other day and he's we've got a session plan in the next uh, week and a half or, or maybe two weeks or so and he was telling me yeah i just hooked up a 29 inch corbina but dude i totally know it was luck and i need help <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah so there's there's the 28 inch corbina and then biggest spot fin it, i think it's only 23 inches for me and i know they get a lot bigger than that but mm-hmm. but definitely a Lots of fun either way. Yeah, that was something we were kind of talking about earlier is, is you know, the spot fin will actually come up and, and the yellow fin, I think more than the spot fin, will come up into the surf and, and actually feed just like the Corvina do, right? Oh, totally. And in my, yeah. my experience down here, at least, I'd say spot fin more than yellow fin croaker, but oh, I know wow. there's totally different tendencies the, the further north mm-hmm. you get. And I know for some, you guys tend to get, I think, more spot fin of different variations in size. Mm-hmm. For us, it's like you get a spot fin, it's likely 16, 17 inches or above. Yeah. It's very rare that you get something smaller than that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's so interesting how, you know, we're, you know, we're 60 miles away on the coast and, and our two fisheries are so similar yet so different. Um, you know, I know we have some really good Corvina fishing, even, uh, like at our piers. That's interesting. Yeah. I don't, I don't do much fishing right near piers, Mm -hmm. but because they're so pressured, you wouldn't, yeah. Wouldn't think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's really cool. I mean, the, the only night fishing I ever do, I tend to think the, and I could be totally wrong, but it seems that the bite dies after sunset. Yeah. It's like it's that just, sunset buddy's awesome, and then it just dies. Yeah. No, they totally use their sight for sure for yeah. their hunting. Yeah, but um, do a little bit of sharking at night. That's worth it. Yeah. Um, yeah, some good leopard shark fishing, and I'm sure you guys get some big, uh, 
guitar fish and stuff down there, right? Yeah, those are always fun too. Those those don't mm-hmm. give up until you're until they're on the sand. <laughs> they're so flat. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, um, you know, anything else you can kind of add to your your sight fishing? One thing I did want to add about the sight casting is yeah. Um, I didn't really notice it much until really early this this summer that when you're doing a really, really shallow sunset sight casting, mm-hmm. um, a lot of times it's really tempting because you'll see them come up to your feet, these spot fish, yeah. and they'll just, they'll flip their tail up in the air as they're angled down feeding on sand crabs. And they're just yeah. right there in front of you. You got no, no idea what to do because they're not taking your bait, <laughs> but you got to realize that they're feeding where at two seconds go by, there's water covering it. Another mm-hmm. five seconds go by it's sand, wet yeah. sand. And you literally sometimes have to cast onto land because that's where they're feeding. They're not feeding where you always want, you, you always seem to want to cast where it's always submerged because you always have a shot at catching a fish. Yeah. But if sometimes. you're going to commit to it, it's best to literally cast. You, you see where they feed, drop it there, even if it's going to be on land in a little bit. And yeah. I think that's something for a lot of people who, are really just not confident about it. Just do it because mm-hmm. it paid off for me. Yeah. You, once you've, I mean, you sit there and you watch the fish, you study how they're going to come in off the surf into that shallow water and they make the same pattern. You can get your bait into the zone before that wave even comes up. And exactly. Then, and then hopefully that fish, you know, chooses your, hundreds of thousands other ones yeah yeah hopefully um, they pick that one that's that's out of the sand and <laughs> but yeah you're totally right because you you eliminate the possible feeling the thump or mm-hmm. splash in the water so if you can get yeah. it there first like leading it properly that's yeah, it yeah wow that's uh that's awesome I, I, hopefully i can get down there and do some surf fishing with you it sounds like it'd be a fun time yeah let me know <laughs> <laughs> or if you need to come up here and try a new zone, you know. Uh, I, I do need to do that. I've been meaning yeah. to expand my, <laughs> my knowledge up there. How far north do you get to? I'd say my, in terms of really. Make it to Oceanside? I've made it there, but in terms of really understanding my spots, it's from Silver Strand to Encinitas. Okay. Uh, Oceanside, I've been fished it a few times guided a few times i actually went to to college up in san marcos so i fished cassidy street a few times okay um but i really i'm not super comfortable up there yeah, yeah. and i need to <clears throat> san clemente interests the heck out of me san onofre um i fished one time crystal cove and that was just gorgeous yeah crystal cove i fished crystal cove um into like you know some of that laguna stuff that yeah a lot of it you can't fish, you know, a lot of it you can fish from shore still, but there's, there's a lot of stuff that you're not allowed to fish anymore, obviously with the, uh, MLPA closures and stuff. But, yeah. And but that's some, big. Got to stay yeah. up to date there. Yeah. You definitely need to keep, uh, you know, keep a map at hand. Most beaches are kind of cool nowadays. I've, I've noticed they're starting to post a map. Yeah. And I just came across, too. I, I didn't know for the longest time, but I guess I'm way out of the loop, but fish legal. Are you familiar with the app? No. Dude, it actually, you can do GPS and it shows you where you are and where the nearest like MLPAs are and all that. Oh, okay. So that's, I was like, I, had a, I was talking to my buddy like, dude, wouldn't this be a good idea to have like a map that gives you GPS and shows you where all the MLPAs are? And he's like, yeah, yeah. bro, that already happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, idea gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, Yeah. 
All right, Nick. Well, it was great talking with you. Um, hopefully we'll have you on here again soon, especially, you know, some stellar catches this summer would be awesome to talk about. Hoping for the best. Maybe yeah, I'll get yeah. another, uh, another yellow tail. <laughs> yeah. That's another one. We'll have to talk about another time for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, it was awesome to be on here. So thank you so much. Speaking of Yellowtail, let's take a quick moment to talk about the Western Outdoor News Yellowtail Jackpot. Scheduled June 12th, lines in at 4 a.m., out by 4 p.m., winner takes home a Suzuki 140 horsepower outboard. With big side pots and a tuna optional, this is one to mark down in your calendar. Sign up by June 4th for a chance to win a drawing at a Furuno GP1871 multifunction unit. For more information, visit wonews.com. All right, let's get right in it with Matt Herrera with his Gold Lake brown trout. We went scouting around, uh, fished around pretty much half of the lake, and we caught a ton of rainbows, a couple two, three pounders, some decent ones. And we were kind of getting ready to leave, head back up to the the, uh, hardtop boat launch parking lot, and I took a few more casts. And just talking to my dad and letting my jig sink all the way to the floor, and as soon as it hit the bottom, I started retrieving. That thing just loaded up, and I, I looked at him, and I go, the good one he's like yeah and i thought it was just a, you know i've caught a lot of big rainbows up there so it wasn't like a sense of urgency yeah um and and got on these logs and anyhow uh started finding it out there and i kept telling him to just throw me the net but yeah. i knew i wasn't gonna be able to get it. i was barely balanced on these logs so he he slid out there somehow and you know i was like the whole all right ready one two three pulled it back and it went straight in the net and you know one shot he got it thankfully because it was barely on the lips yeah, that's I've never caught one that big up there before, especially a wild like that. So, you know, I was yeah. pretty stoked on it. Yeah, so, that that place is uh is is not the best for fishing. <laughs> no, it's it's definitely not. Uh, we had our waders on and boots and everything, but yeah, it's steep it's still, steep shoreline and those reeds. Uh where we were getting all the rainbows was pretty shallow. Um mm-hmm. so I didn't really think about it because <laughs> I was kind of casting over the weeds at this point. Yeah. And once I got it, I'm like, oh my God, what am I doing? And so anyhow, yeah, we ended up getting out there and landing it and neither one of us fell in the water, but I tried to go back to that same spot the next day and there was no way. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that, I mean, that was just kind of an incidental catch. You guys were set in camp. You guys were on your way back from pyramid, you said? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we went there met my brother for a few days there and then we were, we were set to camp for like a week at June Lake. Oh, cool. How was fishing up Pyramid? Pyramid was awesome. Um, we caught a <laughs> lot of fish and we ended up getting a total of six in the double digit range. Wow. Yeah. And, and obviously you guys are fishing ghouly jigs and, and these are jigs that you guys are actually hand tying yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So we started tying those probably like last summer for ourselves. And then yeah. kind of like the SoCal trout season kicked in around November. A few people asked to buy them. We're like, no, nah, you can just have some started giving them. And we just noticed that they, they work really well. Yeah. And so I, I started selling them and it just kind of took off a little bit. So we kind of do it as a hobby, but we, you know, we pay for our fishing trips with the money we do make off of them. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of going right back around full circle on that. Uh, that's so cool that you guys are you're able to make, make such an awesome lure. And I'm looking at them here on the internet right now while we're talking and you know, it's, it's a simple marabou jig, but some of the colors and, and some of the, you know, you guys are adding some rubber strands to them. It looks like a little bit of flashaboo, you yeah. know, it, and there's something about a marabou jig 
you know, we, we fish them down here too in, in different situations, but, uh, you know, it moves better in the water than a lot of people, you know, give them credit for. It's, it doesn't, you know, stiffen up like rubber jigs do. It, it stays free flowing and swims so naturally. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of people, when they see a marabou jig, they just see the fluffy feather tail. They don't realize that that thing gets wet and it, it shrinks. And Yeah. And it turns into a fishtail. <laughs> it turns into a literal fishtail. And especially yeah. when you have the flash in there, you know, the fish pick up on that when the sunlight hits it and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's plastic jigs and stuff forever. Uh, and, you know, there'd be weekends where if, you, if you're on a good bite, you're blasting through plastic tubes left and right. So we just yeah. kind of wanted something that held up better for us. Um, and it just happened to work out that everyone else likes it too. And they, they tend to, and it's not just our marabou jigs. I noticed that just those anti jigs in general just tend to catch bigger fish on average. Well, you're, you're throwing something that these fish aren't seeing every day. You know, you know, anyone can pick up a, a tube jig at, at, on their way up to the Eastern Sierra and a tube jig to tube jig, you know, they all fish very similar and they, Mm-hmm. Uh, the plastic the rubber you know they it does stiffen up when it hits that colder water yes. and uh something about the marabou tail i mean <clears throat> a lot of people like you said i mean a lot of people see them they're probably like oh that's just a crappie jig you know <laughs> right they, you know and it, it really does I, I tell everyone you know it's kind of a cross between a little bit of a fly a little bit of a, a marabou jig and a little bit of a crappie jig yeah yeah and you guys are making them i mean obviously you're you're you know, crossing lines and going over into the salt water. I, I saw on your website, you guys are making stuff up to half ounce and you're able to fish the spotted bay bass, the sand bass, calicos, obviously anything in the bay is going to eat that jig just as, just as willing as a trout up in the east. Yeah. States. We've gone out and, and caught all of them in the, the lagoons. We, we fish more down like Oceanside and Carlsbad area, but mm-hmm. we've caught pretty much every species that's in there. Um, but I noticed the spotties really like them and I have a few guys that fish them religiously now and they're telling me that you know their hookup ratio is better and that the spotties just go crazy for them uh, i don't do too much spotted bay bass fishing mm-hmm. but i the last couple of times we went we you know i definitely did better than the last few times i went without them yeah yeah definitely well hey do you got any uh, any trips planned uh, in the in the next coming month here and i'm sure we'll be hearing from you again <laughs> yeah, I'll be back. I'll be back up in the Sierra with my wife uh, from the June sixth through the eleventh, mm-hmm. and then uh, I'll be back up there again with two different groups that I'm kind of showing around uh, from twentieth through the twenty seventh. Very cool. And that about wraps it up for episode nineteen of the Western Outdoor Nude Podcast. Again, thanks Matt and thanks Nick for spending a little bit of time with us, and don't forget, guys. Western Outdoor News Yellowtail Jackpot, June 12th in San Diego.